I really believe in goodness. I believe in happiness. I believe in light. I believe in love. I believe in great communities. I believe in safety and security and ongoing sense of growth. I'm curious, do you think that happiness can be a curse? Nobody's ever asked me that question, (laughs) a curse. I knew the difference between an outer world of people always running after things and an inner world where things really live. Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet's happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Today on the show, we have Maura Sweeney. Maura, thank you so much for being here. I want to start with a quote that I read on your website and I just love it. <laughs> and it's actually the first sentence on your about page, but I think it, it says so much. So if life had not shown me what happiness was not, I might not have embarked on a journey to discover what happiness truly is. Wow, that seems so powerful and something that I think people don't really think about. Like, life just showed me what happiness isn't. So how did life show you what happiness is not? Well, first of all, you could see the look of surprise on my face because, Amy, I wrote that a number of years ago. I've probably been on 400 podcast shows. (laughs) Nobody has picked that out but you. And you were telling me before this began, before our interview began, that you didn't really have a backstory. You're always this happy person. You had a great, amazing life, you know, childhood. I sensed when things were wrong and I knew what they felt like. And there was something in that that caused me to know that if this is true, if this is happening, then there is an antithesis to it. There's an opposite to it. You know, sometimes people live in a dome And a lot of people get caught in that dome of, oh, I'm a victim. Poor me. I live with my story. It's always going to be this way. And they literally walk around. There was somebody on the old Charlie Brown stories that always had the cloud over his head, I think. Right, right, right. My thing was, wait a minute. If this is happening, then this is letting me know that the complete opposite is also real. And I've always used that, I would say, as an anchor to say, you know what? I'm not living in the difficult times. I'm not staying in a sewer somewhere as many people like to do. I really believe in goodness. I believe in happiness. I believe in light. I believe in love. I believe in great communities. I believe in safety and security and and just this ongoing sense of of growth and uh, like springtime moving into the warmth of summer. I really believe in it. So wow. Everybody's and, this. and why? You know what I'm saying? Like, why do you think people go down that victim road, but you didn't? Like, what is different about you versus kind of like the go-to with most people? Probably two things. As a very, very young child, I must have been either highly intuitive. I knew about things without a vocabulary to go with them. I was one of those people that you would say is an empath. I could read people. I could read situations, even though I didn't yet have a vocabulary. And I always knew, this is funny, I could tell you I was preschooler, maybe two, and I could watch adults 
trying to get the attention of other adults, trying to get their approval. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, why are they going out there to look for something when all they have to do is say to themselves, what do I want? What's important to me? I knew the difference between an outer world of people always running after things and an inner world where things really live. But maybe more to your question, two things. As a young child, I would say very happy and very free. I also saw an awful lot of death, but I had this very interesting experience sitting on my grandfather's lap a couple of days before he passed away. Now he was a younger man and he was letting me know that he was going to be going away to heaven. And I was very shocked thinking, you're not going to die. And he said, oh no, I'm not going to be going to heaven. I'll be living up in heaven. I'll be living. Mm -hmm. Well, the interesting thing about it was that as I sat on this man's lap, there was something about him. I told you I was an empath. I could literally feel if there was a way to describe who God would be. Someone unseen who literally was the father or the parent of all of us, let's say the grandparent who looked upon everyone equally, who loved everyone equally, who was unbelievably trustworthy. And sitting on my grandfather's lap, I felt it. And all I thought, wow, I've never seen God before, but I know who God is. I know the feeling of God. And so what happened very shortly after my grandfather's passing, we had a number of people around me die. I mean, I was so traumatized by death, death and dying, literally traumatized by it and feeling that my life went from technicolor to black and white. So I went from being a free person to feeling very contained, very traumatized. There's no other way to say it, but I always knew that there was goodness. I always knew there was something so wonderful. I always knew there was something that, oh, I forgot to tell you this. If I could give you another description of what I sensed of God, that you know how everybody thinks, oh, he's out there, nobody knows him, that this presence so wanted to be known. It was like the the sum total of love. And it never left me, Amy. It guided me and has guided me through every aspect of life. You know, a lot of people... They think, oh, I, I want to do this because I want a lot of money, or I'm going to do that because I want the power. I knew what this overarching love for humanity was. I knew what it felt like. It so eclipsed everything that I became this individual all through my life that nothing really could move me from that mark. And I think I'm still there decades later. Like I know what goodness is. I know what life is. I know what love is. I know what truth is. I know those things in a sense that so overarch this world that everybody says is so great. And I live and I always choose to live in that place and not only live there, but exude it Mm. much like you do. I love that because I think it's different from feeling a certain way, like feeling, let's just like go on the positive side, right? Like feeling happiness, feeling joy, feeling goodness, and then actually (laughs) taking that feeling and turning it into actions and energy that you bring back to the world. And I think that's a little bit maybe of what you were feeling too. You know, I like that word energy. And I definitely agree. And I'm going to tell you, if you feel any positive energy from me, it's all because I had to work at it. So I yeah, like yes. sort of like walking through, you know, tulip fields, 
tulip beds and everything was great. But I literally chose over and over and over again in my life that I was going to choose happiness. And I have a couple of things um, that I could share today because I remember you had asked me, how would you like to define this? And I said, secrets of happiness. You know, not everybody has the tulip lifestyle. And there are literally things we can do to change the energy, to change the focus, and really to be in a position of influence, not only to have the world influencing us, but for us to positively influence the world around us. And I think if we could do that, we can, we can turn this world inside out. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's That's right. What I try to do. (laughs) Well, I mean, that is like your core message as well. We can talk about your podcast in a second, but that is the title of your podcast, right? Living happiness inside out. So you embody that message. And I love that you say that happiness is a choice because I also say this, I think a lot of people say this, it's one thing to say it and it's it's another to really like understand the science of why it actually is a choice. And I have a, a friend who I had done a post, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago. And I was going off on my rant about how happiness is a choice and that. And she said, I think she actually sent me a message privately and said, I just want to tell you that happiness is not a choice for everyone. And it really struck me. Like I almost was speechless and angry almost. Like, why would you even say that? And I understand people's circumstances are different. But that does, in my opinion, it does not mean that happiness is not a choice. I still believe, and as use the words that you use, embody, that happiness absolutely is a choice. And there is science to back that up in how our brain works. That happiness truly is a choice. So I love that you say that. I love when people say that. (laughs) Well, I'm even listening to what you said, that happiness is not a choice. That in itself is a choice, determining Ah. that happiness is not a choice. I know that about two weeks ago, I was on a um, webinar with a corporation and they were coming off, you know, like the COVID thing and how do we just get beyond the trauma? And after my presentation, we had some time for Q&A and one of the people asked me this question, what do you do about toxic happiness? Mm. That surprised me in the same way that your remark just did. I never thought of happiness as being toxic, but I think for some people, they're in such a place of heaviness that happiness actually rubs against them the wrong way. But it is true that wherever we are, and I've seen this not only in my own life, but I've watched it with other people. I've seen people that have everything the world says should be great, and they're in misery. They're worried. They're just always, it's what they don't have rather than what they do. They focus on on what's missing. But I've also seen people and I've known people who have gone through such challenges in life. And I look at them and I've been in their company and they just exude such life and love. And I'm going to give you the word. The word is transcendence. Mm -hmm. There's an energy by choice. And maybe sometimes you could say it's by God, by a spirit, but it literally transcends the circumstances of their lives. And I find that so appealing and refreshing. And, Mm. you know, I guess everybody is drawn to some things. I've always been drawn to good things. I mean, if you could choose between something that has death in it and something that has life in it, I'm going to always go for the life. If you're going to choose something that has hate in it versus having love in it, I'm going to go for the love. So again, we go back to the choice. 
Right. So exactly. And that is absolutely why it is a choice. And there are people out there who are choosing hate right now over love. And a lot of times when I think when you dig deep into this whole hatred, and if we take it even to like another level of hate crimes, and like if we really build hate to like the extreme, Mm -hmm. it's really based on fear. And they're fearful of something. And that's where the hatred comes from. Yes, you're right. There's this sense of victimhood. It's them versus me. And I better take them out before they take out me, which is a lot of what I speak about, whether it's at corporations or other places. You know, I want to add something that may take this conversation on a little bit of a a side trip. This stuff about (laughs) hate crimes. You know, there's always, if you look at the world, there's always been one group doesn't like another. There's always the group on top, the group on the bottom. And you know how you said a lot of times it's spurred on by fear. I have to tell you, Amy, and this is not even something to be agreed to or not agreed to. It's just an observation. I really sense that so much of our media on both sides feeds into the fear and into the hate because that's how they get their business, both sides of the spectrum. And I almost want to do this. This is funny. You've got people probably mostly listening, not watching. Years ago, we used to have this thing years ago. They'd say, shame on you for doing that. I want to say to everybody, shame on you for playing people. And what I always look to do when I speak with people is not to take anybody's side, but it's to wake people up to what they already know inside, that people recognize how much we are alike, how much we all want the same things, how much of humanity wants to do well. And we can remove a lot of these other monikers and identifiers, because once you identify with a group, you are by default supposed to not like that group. And I think a lot of people are played with. I've seen this happen with wars in other countries. People are played and it's, they play into, when I say they, the controllers. In this case, you could say the media companies, and it could be the same media company that owns two different channels that's giving out two separate messages. I look to wake people up to what they already know. And we can also make a choice just to say, you know what, I'm not falling into your category. I'm just going to choose to like people based on their energy, not what they look like, not what they claim to label themselves as. And the world appears entirely differently when we take on a different approach to it. Well, yes. Thank you. And I think you have to be open-minded, right? And again, it does come back to choice. And you also have a choice when it comes to news and media to not watch news and media either way, (laughs) either, either side, it doesn't matter. Like you can make that choice. And, you know, I write about in my book when I made that choice to stop watching the news. And it's one of the greatest things I think that I've done in my life, because what I found was they were controlling my feelings instead of me controlling my feelings. I love that. And that's absolutely right. Yeah, Amy, it is absolutely right. Do you know what? I've, I've always been an observer of culture. And because I've traveled, I don't know, over 60 countries, I kind of lost track. But <laughs> everywhere I go, I'm always meeting with the locals. I will stay with the locals. I travel local transportation. I am with the local people. I learn so much. And funny, I just forgot what I was going to say. But <laughs> Here's the thing. People are going to be manipulated by others. They, by default, 
yield to the voices and the messages of others. And what I always try to do is help reignite in people their own awareness, their own knowing. I'm telling you, I've been to some countries, you have no idea. We think what's going on in America is unique. I'm sorry, it's not. (laughs) I've seen it played out before where people who are really good friends, and they could be from different religious backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds within nations. And suddenly, because power structures would rise up, and look to identify people and then have people dislike each other. And they build within the context of conversation, this distrust and the fear. Ultimately, they tell people to pick up weapons and to fight against each other. Mm -hmm. Then they have a war. You know who gains? The people at the very top, the people Mm -hmm. who profit off it. And so that's, I want to almost congratulate you for not watching the news. (laughs) I've seen people here in America they could have, let's say, identified with the right or identified with the left. And here's, this is what I find wonderful. People have said to me, you know, I just had to stop. I had to turn off the TV because every time I turned it on, I was getting angry. And the bottom line was that more and more people are turning off to these outer messages and they're saying, I'm not, this is not resonating for me. I'm going to go out and I'm going to live my life and I'm going to meet people and greet people as they are. And I'm not going to pick up these labels and choose to hate or let's say distrust. I think that's a better word. And I find it wonderful. So congratulations. Maybe you were an early adopter, Amy. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes people think I live in a hole and I don't understand what's going on. I still very much know what's going on in the world. It's just that I get to choose what I believe based on kind of, and and I get to choose what information comes to me so that I can make the choice of what I believe. And One of the things that it's funny because I kind of have two rules in business and and we broke both of them, which I'm totally fine (laughs) with chatting with you about it, which is no religion, no talking about religion and no talking about politics. No, 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 no. But this is great because this is a really, and the reason why I have those rules is because they tend to not be healthy relationships or healthy conversations. This is a really healthy conversation. And so I want to keep going down this road because my dad is a lobbyist. So he is a lobbyist for the counties in Nebraska. And I think sometimes like when I tell people like, oh, my dad's a lobbyist, it's like, oh, gosh, you know, like it sounds so terrible and so negative, but it's truly not in in the sense of what he lobbies for. And he lobbies for what's best for the counties of Nebraska. But one of the things that that just giving context here, one of the things that he says that I think is so great is he's been in politics for, I don't know, as long as I can really kind of remember in some form or fashion, but so many people ask him like, Hey, would you ever want to be the governor of Nebraska? Would you ever want to go to Washington and, you know, hold a position there? And, you know, he just says, it's so political. And I feel, this is what he says, I feel things get done when you meet in the middle. And if we can't meet in the middle, then things just don't get done. So, man, I love that because sometimes we just in life in general, not politics, just in life in general, sometimes we just have to meet in the middle. So in order to increase our happiness, in order to get things done, in order to make a more beautiful world. And so I think if we can stop fighting for our positions and sometimes just meet in the middle, maybe we could have a little bit more peace, a little bit more happiness and a lot more joy in this world. I totally agree. And you know, it's so funny. 
This is very interesting. You can see we think a lot alike. Yeah. I could do a podcast and people, I know I've got friends all over the country and all over the world from every persuasion. And I will inevitably find people on seemingly opposite ends like what I'm doing. You know why? Because I'm not, I'm for humanity. But the other word I want to give, and I think this goes with what you said about not listening so much to the news or not tuning in. I always tell people I go for places where there's no filter. I don't want somebody to tell me what to think. That's the filter. I want to be right there. I want to meet with people. I want to listen and I want to form my own opinion. But when there's a filter and the filter is designed Mm -hmm. to move me and to manipulate me to think only in one way, only to see part rather than all, I don't want that. I remove the filters. And that's what I find a lot of people doing, whether they know it or not. But let me say from another point of view, because this is a show (laughs) all about happiness. A lot of people are like, this is not making me feel good. Right. I'm just going to tune out. And yet those people tend to sense things on a much more realistic level. I almost want to think about, you know, when they used to years ago, you're younger than I, but they used to refer to people as salt of the earth earthy people. They were not so high and mighty. They were not so super sophisticated, but they knew what they knew because they were out and about. They were with people. And that's what I look to do. There's nowhere I don't go because I look to find the goodness in people. And then I always look to draw from others something I don't know, something I could learn from, something of their story so that you put it all together. And now you're able to see the whole and not the part. And for me, that that is very healthy and it keeps me always learning and growing. And it also keeps me in a place where I find that I trust humanity more. See, mm. it's the opposite. I trust and I don't fear. That is so good. And I think when we talk about like trusting humanity and when you said that word, I don't know if you saw me, I was like, ah, because I love, I love that. Because to me, it's not about this or that, right or wrong. Right. It's about like really loving, like human really loving humanity. So yes. But when you talk about trusting humanity, one of the things that I like to say is like assume positive intention, right? So like somebody might upset you for one reason or another, but I think you have to step back and say, but did they have negative intention behind it? Because a lot of times I don't think they, they do, right? So um, trusting humanity, assuming that they have positive intent, uh, unless you can prove otherwise, is a really big like key, I think, <laughs> to happiness. So I agree. And you know what? I've, there's another thing that I've said. I love that about intention. That's where you come to being the salt of the earth or earthy, because then you're not psychoanalyzing everybody's last word. It's like, how am I feeling this person? Mm. Do they mean me harm or do I sense that they mean well for me? I'll tell you though, I've had some people give me words over the course of my lifetime. And even if some people have given me words I didn't like, you know what I I would always say? I'm never one to react and then go tit for tat with somebody. But I would always say, well, you know what? Thank you for what you said. I will take it under advisement. I always say to people, I have yet to grow wings and fly away or walk on water. (laughs) So if there's something good in here that I need to look at with myself and I need to adjust, I'll do so. Mm -hmm. And even with people that might be ill-intentioned, I'll always look for something good. Is there something here that I need to see? And even Mm -hmm. if not, then, okay, oh, well, I'll just move on and, uh, and let it go with that. But it keeps me feeling better about myself rather than feeling like somebody just attacked me which is where a lot of people, a lot of people right now are being trained 
to be hypersensitive. And I don't know in the world of humanity, especially if you do, you want to go from one, one city to another, one state to another, one country to another, one group to another, there's always going to be something out there. So how could we instead find those things that unite us and uplift us and meet people in those places? And when you do, you find most people, they want to be happy. They want to be safe. Maybe they want to have a family. They want to have a home. They want to do something in life that's meaningful, build on a future, look forward to the next generation afterwards. If we were to focus in on those things, if we were to focus in on all the positives, do you realize how quickly all those negative things would go away? They would just take a back seat. Absolutely. And I think we would live in a world of less judgment, Uh, when we take your advice on finding the good in people. So (laughs) I absolutely love that. You and I are both, uh, we are similar. This is great. (laughs) And we've never met each other, but I think we have a lot of the same energy. And, you know, we both kind of promote this whole happiness message. And I'm curious, do you think that happiness can be a curse? Nobody's ever asked me that question, (laughs) a curse. Can you, would you like to further explain? Sure. So <laughs> sometimes I feel like people who see, like they might see you and they go, oh, Maura, she's always happy. She's like the happiest person I know. But then it's almost like this shield. And I'm just speaking as an opinion here. It's almost like this shield of like, well, that doesn't mean that I don't have bad days, right? Or that doesn't mean that I'm, I am 100% happy 24 seven. And so it's almost like a false perception of um, life, right? Yes, so that's what, what I mean. Saying. Like, do you, do you find that it could be a curse in that yeah. way? Now, you know, I have this honorary title, ambassador of happiness that I got from speaking at Nelson Mandela Day. And sometimes you think, okay, so am I going to take this lady seriously? Does she walk through, you know, and does she throw out fairy dust wherever she goes? And I've spoken at, you know, universities and I've spoken at young national leadership conferences. And I have been in places where there are a lot of angry people. And I think sometimes people hear that and they know I write stories or write about what, what it is that makes people happy from the inside. People are like, really? I've seen it. I have seen it. And they're like, who the heck does this lady think she's, she's probably has the perfect life. Everything goes well for her. But I've had people say to me that the moment I step on a stage and I open my mouth and sometimes they'll hear even hints of stories, they know that there is so much to me. This happiness thing is definitely a choice. It's not like I'm an airy fairy personality. I have had to <laughs> choose it. And so, but yes, that is true. I would say it's a judgment that people think, oh, you've had... Easy for you to say you've had a perfect life and that's really not the case all the time. So that's that's why I always go back, like we said at the beginning, how happiness is a choice and it's also a state of mind. It's, I may be going through something difficult right now. I've been through challenges before. So how am I going to transcend this situation and be a conduit to something better to come? And if we could start learning to live in that state of happiness or that higher up state of energy, eventually things come our way, things change. We turn a corner. We don't even know how it happens. A new idea steps in, a new solution arises, things get redeemed. Um, And people maybe who never thought that far or have never developed that thought process may just look at something from 
as you say, from a judgmental standpoint and say, oh yeah, look at her. Who does she think she is? She can't tell me anything. But I will tell you this. I have been in places where I've watched people kind of smirk. And by the end, they're all leaning in, especially because I talk about business. And that I, a lot of what I do has to do with how do you create great business environments? And by the end, they're all leaning in and they're asking questions because not because I'm right, it's because I look to light up what they already know as truth from within. And really, we're designed for a better world. We're designed to be better people. We're not designed to be rotten people that are constantly <laughs> working over each other. And then they start saying, wait a minute, this, there's something here that resonates. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that transformative piece of people who might come in with a less than positive attitude, but by the end they see and that you're an authentic caring person. And you say that you get your happiness from finding joy within others or seeing joy within others. So like expand on that because I don't think a lot of people would make that comment. Right. So I think they, they would think it might be a component of their happiness, but you kind of are like, yeah, this is where I get my happiness from. I like bringing (laughs) out the best in others. I've always been this way. Do you know, think about this. There are two ways. The world designs us to feel less than, to therefore be jealous of or envious of someone who we perceive has something we don't. And oftentimes we look at very narrow ways of of deciding what's worth it or what's good. I don't know why, but I was never this way. I could see growing up the girls that dressed better than I, they had better figures than I, smart people, talented, artistic people. And I would always admire their talents and their abilities. Even when I was in, I was in management for about a decade in two corporations, I was the leader, I was the manager, but I loved, I can't even tell you this, Amy, I used to tell people when they would come in, if one day I'm working for you, I will be so proud because I had never had a desire to run a major corporation. I loved being with people, working directly with people, mentoring people, and literally finding what they were good at and bringing it out and turning them into an expert. It's like, you know what? Let me say it this way. Let's assume you're in a desert somewhere and everybody's a piece of sand and all the sand thinks it's dead, but you're the eyes that say, wait a minute, I just saw a sparkle there. I could see a color purple in you. Come on, come on out, come in front of the group, show us what you could do. Let me tell everybody about it. And suddenly life starts to spring and you see grass grow, trees come out, flowers arise. That's how I look at humanity. And humanity has been taught wrong. Society as a whole is taught wrong. But I really believe people know what's right. So I'll tell you this. There's another way of looking at this. Some people think that they're going to be happy when they're better than you. They have more money than you. They live in a bigger house whatever you want to call it, however people measure things. You know when I'm most happy? When everybody around me feels good in their own skin. When people feel that way, all of their negative attributes take a back seat. They're too busy doing what's right and what's good. And it feels so good that, you know, it becomes self-sustaining. You know, if people think, the idea is to be the top of the heap. I won't be happy until I see the entire heap of people rise. Mm. I can't get it out of myself. I've been this way. I'm just designed this way. (laughs) We need more people to be designed this way. You said we need people to be too busy doing what's right. And it's almost like like a drug. Yeah. (laughs) It is. You start start feeling what's good and you live in the environment. It's like, it's pretty attractive. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that quote. So I might have to give you some credit and start using Take that it one run because with I it. love it. I love it. I love it. We need to be too busy doing what's right so that we don't have enough time to do what's wrong. So, okay, here's a question for you. This is a question that I ask all my guests. And if you had seven more days left to live, what would you do? I don't think it would be very different from what I'm doing now. I would make sure that I was seeing the best in others, calling, because, you know, we all, it's easy to reach anybody, calling anybody who has come to mind to remind them of the good things I just thought about them, to give them a word of encouragement, to go to the grocery store and anybody I see doing something good to remark. I think I'd be living exactly as I am now, Amy, and I don't, And maybe, I'll tell you this, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and maybe this is probably where you'll be coming to the close, that I saw so much death. I learned as a young child what life looked like at the end, and it caused me to live my current Mm. life very differently. So I saw a lot of the vanity of life. So I would say that I, knowing that life is filled with vanity, but I saw the things that mattered, I focus in on those things that matter. And hope that by my doing it, that others will catch that same that same breath. Because mm-hmm. really, it's the breath of life and the breath of love and just share it with others. Yeah, you have a unique glimpse into that that not everyone does with seeing so much death. And, and, and it sounds like maybe even at a young age. Very so, young, yeah. So that's a little bit of a glimpse into life, I think, that a lot of people don't have. And and maybe you can say that they're lucky that they don't have it, but maybe in some sense, they're unlucky that they don't have the messages that come with it. I'm not saying that they would be anyone would be lucky to to lose anybody close to them. And, you know, I learned that too with my mom through her death. And, you know, one of the things that she said to me was, I'm not afraid to die when she knew that she was essentially dying. And I always just thought that that was such a powerful statement that she said. And, And I don't think she ever realized how powerful it was. But when you see the end of life and what that looks like, especially if you've seen the end of life kind of drawn out, a little bit, it does change your perspective on how you live life, what you deem as important, how you treat others, and how you look at humanity. I'll use that word again as a whole. And I think maybe you had that lesson really, really early on. I did. And you know what? If I could just even add to something of what you're saying, right. Who would want to go through that? Because I told you, I was really traumatized. There were many people. It's just too much death for a young child. And again, because I was an empath, I took it all in. But let me tell you the flip side of it. By seeing the end of life as a young person, what I was able to discern or take away from that, two things. And this is really what has guided me through my life. I wanted to grow up to be happy because I saw people that at the end of life, some people that weren't happy and other people who were. And Mm -hmm. secondly, and I hope there's something people could get out of this, the happiest people were Mm -hmm. people who lived authentically, not Mm -hmm. as they were told, maybe not because they were in a box of some sort, but they literally were free to be who they were authentically. That was their happiness. They were living the life that was within them. And so really that's been the sum total of like all these years that I've lived. I've had to come out of box after box after box so that I could be my authentic self. And in so doing, hopefully inspire others to do the same. Because if we can be that, that happy, authentic self, we would see an array of colors and designs and solutions and innovations 
that we have never conceived of. And so I think I cut through a lot of the nonsense as a young child. (laughs) And I've just been hopefully helping other people see what real life matters. Because at the end of, at the end of your life, when you are suffering, let's say like your mom and you're very weak, what matters? What's the biggest takeaway? And I remember the very first blog I ever wrote as the ambassador of happiness. I didn't have the title at the time was called tombstones. And it was actually a funny blog. And it was, how do you want to be remembered? Well, you think, boy, that's a sad thing, a state of affairs, my death. But if you could think that your entire tombstone is only going to take up a few words, what's it going to be? Do you know what I realized mine was? She loved. I didn't even care, Amy, if there was no name affixed to it. But if the only way I wanted to be remembered in this world after my body left it is an entity that shared love, that's it. Wow. I absolutely love that. And I think you do share love. I do think you love hard. Uh, I think the world is a better place because you are in it and that you love. And, you know, you talked about helping people become a position of influence. And just from this short conversation, I can see that you're, that you do do that and you can inspire that and you have inspired that in other people. So I just want to recognize that because I think you've done a great job for this world and helping others. So thank you so much for that. And, you know, what would you want your last bit of advice to the world to be? Wow. The world is waiting for you. Mm. You may not have even explored how big, how great, how magnificent you are on the inside, the treasures, the sum total of not only the schooling that you had, but your life experiences, your innate abilities. You are so glorious and so beautiful. The world is waiting for you and the best you to arise. So do not operate in fear which is something we spoke about, but have the courage to arise and be your best and most authentic and beautiful self. And in doing that, you will help change the world. So beautiful. The world is waiting for you. And thank you in your words for bringing goodness, happiness, light, and love to this world. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Also, I want to ask, Where can people find you if they want to connect with your happy, positive (laughs) energy? (laughs) Well, if you have a listening audience, I have a podcast. It's Maura Sweeney. Imagine that. Living Happy Inside Out. And I'm on most most platforms. Uh, But the other place, if people are readers and they like reading stories, if they enjoy blogs, go to my website, Maura, M as in Mary, A-U-R-A, the number four, the letter U.com, MauraForYou.com. My husband gave me that title. I love it. Before. You know what he said to me? He said, Maura, you are for everybody. He said, you are for even people I don't like. And he said, so he said, just call your website, MauraForYou.com. So you could love find it. me there. Awesome. And you also have a series of books called The Art of Happiness, which is also on your website. People can check out. Thank you so much. You're such a beautiful human being. You're such a beautiful person for this world. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for sharing light in the world. And thank you. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. 
If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose-happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag unlocking happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me, or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.